Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. We are in a series um, of teaching in a as a, a person who wants to not just um, put out information, but wants people to receive training. I'm a teacher. Um, I think I'm a teacher. It feels like it lately. Did you think so, maybe? Um, I'm slightly challenged because, you know, I, I would love to um, talk for a long time and bring all the information that I feel in my spirit as I'm praying and preparing together at once. But, of course... Are the way we do things, we can't do that. We, you probably don't want to do a seminar with me all day, <laughs> right? So I'm, I, I'm, I'm teaching today where I left off last week, which was part of a sequence of teachings that all build on each other, and I know that some of you are here for the first time, so I want to catch you up too to where we are. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do, but we are talking about the kingdom of God which is a phrase that Jesus used when he launched his public ministry, which he kept using throughout his public ministry, and which he kept using after he died and was resurrected and stayed on the earth talking with people for another 40 days. The Bible says he taught for 40 days teaching them about the kingdom of God. It's the central theme of the Bible. And there's a lot to learn But right now, last week and this week and possibly even next week, we're talking about one component regarding this idea that in Jesus, the rule and reign, that's another word for the kingdom, the rule and reign of God has come. And as you study, we'll talk about it more today probably, you discover that it didn't come in its fullness, but Jesus said, I'm going to come again, and that's when it's going to come in its fullness. But it has come. And we hear in the Bible phrases like, we are the people who, upon whom the ends of the age have come. We hear phrases like, we are people who have tasted of the powers of the coming age. So the, the kingdom is the coming age, but it's also here now. Now that suddenly gets complicated, right? You're like, what you're saying? So a, a theologian some time ago, came up with this phrase. He said, we live in the presence of the future since the time of Jesus. Presence of the future. He also used this phrase. You'll hear a lot. You'll see it. If you ever read a commentary, you'll see it referred to pretty commonly across the board now. The kingdom of God is already, but not yet. So we have this overlap. And one of the, the components, one of the promises that was prophesied in the Hebrew Bible by the prophets was that when this time of a kingdom coming would come, there would be an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. And we begin to talk about that last week. I want to start with a quote that I read last week, and then we'll see how much teaching we can do as the, I'm looking at the, I've actually got a, a correct clock in front of me now, so I actually, it is, the clock on the wall is um, dead and will soon be buried. Um, and never resurrected again. <laughs> but I actually have a digital clock in front of me for those that are wondering, will the guy ever stop? I can see what time it is. 
Let me read this quote to you, and I think it'll be on the screen over here and here. This is from one of my favorite books regarding the Holy Spirit, where um, scholar, New Testament scholar Gordon Fee, filled with the Spirit guy, wonderful guy, recently passed, um, went through every reference to the Holy Spirit in all of Paul's writings. Went through them all and summarized and brought it together in a book called Paul, the Spirit, and the People of God. I'd recommend it if you're interested in learning about the Holy Spirit. Um, But he says this, and this I think is, is helpful for us. If the church, that's you and me, is going to be effective in our postmodern world. That's where we find ourselves in history right now. This time culturally is often called postmodern. It's after the modern era. In the postmodern era, people say, I don't think anything's really true. Everything's relative. That's postmodernism, which puts you with your feet firmly planted in the middle of the air. If nothing is true and everything's true, and you have your truth and I have my truth, things become problematic. But that's the culture we live in now. If we are to be effective in our postmodern world, we need to stop paying mere lip service to the Spirit. So stop saying, yes, we believe there's a Holy Spirit, now let's get to what we want to do with our church services. We need to stop playing mere lip service to the Spirit, and recapture Paul, the Apostle's perspective, which is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the experienced, empowering return of God's own personal presence in and amongst us, who enables us to live as radically, and here's the word that you've learned, but if you're new, you might think this is a weird word, radically eschatological, hard to say, eschatological people. Let me stop and I'll continue the quote. Can you read a quote and interrupt yourself a lot? I think we can do that. For those of you that don't know, the term that describes talking about studying and thinking about the end of the world is eschatology. That's the end of the world when Jesus comes back and wraps it all up and establishes his new kingdom once and for all, finally forever, Satan's thrown in the abyss, you know, the world ends. In Hollywood, they have the the apocalypse movies, right? It's all about eschatology. Okay, so we are people that are living in the end times. Back to this quote. The Spirit as the experienced, empowering return of God's personal presence in us and amongst us who enables us to live as radically eschatological people. In other words, people of the future now. People living in the presence of the future now. In the present world, while we await the consummation. Did you follow all that? While we await Jesus' return. So we are in this in-between place. Jesus has come. He's established his kingdom. He's died on the cross and dealt with sin and dealt with Satan. He's risen from the dead and launched the new age when everyone will be resurrected and we can begin to experience resurrection life in our lives in its full dimension even now until we're waiting for him to come back and we really have full resurrection and the entire cosmos is made new. Heaven and earth come together as one. All things made new, all sickness, sorrow, mourning, disease, done away, all sin done away, the new age finally come. Do you see that's where we're going? Okay, so the idea is 
the Holy Spirit empowers us to live like those people in the future now. And that is an interesting thought. And that's what Paul taught. Lord, we're going to open your word and we pray you speak to us. I pray you speak to me. Help me to be able to formulate in my mouth words that represent your thoughts. Help us to hear in our ears words that represent thoughts and truths that will transform us to be the people of God at our time. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Last week I said two things as a, just understanding for why we'd be interested in, in studying things in the Scripture. I want to say that again. I said, I think that you can describe the path of spiritual growth or the path of attaining to the promises of God like this. It starts with revelation. And that's often just in opening the Word of God, we are re- it's revealed to us truth of God that maybe was hidden before we read the Word. So we have revelation of what is possible, and that's why we're studying the Holy Spirit. We're studying the Holy Spirit not so that we could pass a test and talk about the Holy Spirit. That would be lip service. We're studying the Holy Spirit so we have revelation of what might be available to us. Out of revelation comes a hunger for the thing that God says could happen. Out of hunger, we begin to pray and seek fervently the thing that God already said could be, and then we walk into experience. So revelation gives breed to hunger, and prayer gives breed to or gives birth to um, experience. that makes sense? Okay, so that's why we want to learn constantly. We, are, we, we begin last week to talk about one aspect of the Holy Spirit that's not often talked about in more charismatic churches. So we hear often about the power of the Holy Spirit to give gifts, to speak in tongues, to heal people with muscular dystrophy you know, to um, prophesy. But a work of the Holy Spirit that's really important is the work of making us not only righteous, you know, sort of legally, but righteous in reality. You know, if there's anything to salvation, it ought to change our lives so we become better people. The bumper sticker says Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven, and we're a lot more than just forgiven. We're way more than just forgiven. We have the Holy Spirit of God who does forgive. Jesus does forgive us, (laughs) but there's power for living that ought to make us look more and more like Jesus. Okay, so we want to talk about that. But I want to show you a graph or an image that I created and showed you at the beginning of all this and apply it to righteous living. So is that up on the screen? Yeah, see that? So here's the idea. In the old view, before Jesus came announcing the kingdom, people thought there was this present evil age, God was going to break in with the day of the Lord, cut time in half, and start the new age. And there's a, down there, there's like an arrow below and an arrow above, then kind of a lift. But Jesus came with a new understanding. When Jesus came, that's represented by the cross, with his message, his ministry, his works, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his outpouring of the Spirit, time changed, and the new age began, but it's not consummated. So there's kind of a a grayish box. That's where we are now, living in tremendous tension. This is why 
God's wanting all people to be saved, and not everyone's saved. This is why healing is available, and not everyone's healed. This is why I want to do good, and sometimes I sin. I'm living in a tension of being an already not yet person, and you are too, and it could make you feel like you're crazy, but you're not. You're living in the tension of this present evil age overlapping with the age to come. This is also true about righteousness. Look at this verse from the Old Covenant. Righteousness is, is living right. It's being right before God, but also living the way God would describe us as living right in what is often called the Torah or Torah. Have you heard the word Torah? There was a movie called Torah, Torah, Torah. It had nothing to do with this. So don't mix them up. Torah, sometimes it's pronounced that way, or Torah, is the word that's from Hebrew, translated into English, law, the law of Moses. It really is better translated the instructions of God for how to live. So God gave the people instructions. Deuteronomy, Old Testament, 625, describes our righteousness like this. And if we are careful to obey all this law or Torah before the Lord our God as he's commanded us, that will be our righteousness if we can obey it. That's Old Covenant. You'll remember when I began talking about the Holy Spirit, I read a prophecy in Jeremiah that said, a day is coming with the kingdom of God when there will be a new covenant. We call it the New Testament in our Bibles, right? Old Testament, New Testament. When God says, I will pour out my spirit, and I will write my law on their hearts instead of on tablets of stone, and I will enable them to follow my ways and my decrees. Old covenant, work good. If you can get it right, that will be your righteousness. Turned out not one person could do it right other than Jesus. Here's new covenant, Romans 3.21, but now a righteousness from God. But now, Paul is writing to churches saying, you know, things have changed. Now that Jesus has come, a righteousness from God apart from Torah, apart from law, has been made known. It's been revealed, revelation, like we were saying before. And the prophets testify to it. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. You see the difference there. There's something that is a gift of the Holy Spirit that is, in a sense, a replacement of Torah and a fulfillment of Torah. Another scripture, I would love to read all of Romans 7 and 8 with you for about three hours, but we don't have time. So I'm giving you highlights. Romans 7, verse 6. We have been released from the Torah so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Going on, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, chapter 8 of Romans. Powerful stuff. Please, are you Bible students, read Romans 8. I've been reading it for years and years, always adding a little more truth. It's incredible philosophy, theology, and truth about the nature of humanity, the nature of God, the nature of the world. I need, before I read it, to explain something. Paul writes often using the word flesh, referring to the, the human, human person apart from the Spirit of God before new birth, before regeneration, before a lot of these words that we've described. Newer Bible translations stopped using the word flesh and added some interpretation and changed the word to 
sinful nature. I'm going to read a text that says sinful nature in the text. That's not the word Paul used. The word Paul used was simply flesh. It's a metaphor for something a little different, I think, than sinful nature. I think, back to the picture, that when he talks about flesh, he's talking about the way we lived when we were in the present evil age trying to obey the Torah. That's called living in the flesh. And then Paul goes on to compare that and contrast that with living in the spirit, which I understand is living in the new age, the new kingdom, with the powers of the coming age by the spirit and a different kind of righteousness. Have I lost anyone yet? Oh, stick with me if you can. Okay, now saying that, having said that, here's Romans 8, verse 3. The law of Moses, that's the Torah, was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. That's the word flesh. In other words, the law was good to tell you what's right and what's wrong. The law was useless to change you. It could tell you you did wrong, and you could go, yep, I'm guilty. That's right. Do not commit adultery. I guess I did. Do not murder. I guess I hated, so I've even got murder in my heart. Thank you very much, law, for telling me that. You're no help at all. Remember, those of you that have, come, that have been around a while, when I said, you're dead to me? Paul, kind of mafia style, you're dead to me, from the Godfather. That's what Paul says about sin and the law. After the coming of the Spirit, he said, law, you're dead to me. I'm dead to the law. Okay, back to this. The law of Moses was unable, because of the weakness of flesh, so God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, or in the likeness of sinful flesh would be a direct translation. And in that body declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that this is huge, this next sentence. The just requirements of the law would be fully satisfied in us and for us who no longer live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, who no longer live in the old covenant, but in the new covenant, who no longer live in the old age, but in the kingdom that's broken in. The inbreaking of God's kingdom changes everything. The old way focused on flesh and law. The new way focuses on following God's Spirit and grace. I recommend Spirit and grace, because the law will only kill you, and the Spirit and grace will give you life and change you, and lo and behold, when you follow the way of the Spirit and grace, you actually change and start doing good. You actually start wanting to do good. You start not wanting to do bad. It's an inside job, not an outside job. So before Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and the outpouring of the Spirit, as I said, flesh and law was the focus. Your human nature trying to do good, failing and feeling guilty about it. After Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and the outpouring spirit, the Holy Spirit in you, the focus is following the way of the Spirit and living in grace. The result is, I have no guilt. My sins have been washed away. I've been cleansed, and not only that, I've been empowered to live resurrection life now. 
But I'm not fully there, so I live in the tension. But the more I live by the Spirit, the more I get there, and I stop struggling by just trying to be good. Rather, I focus on God's Spirit and presence in me, and I begin to live out the righteousness that has happened. So another way to say it is, Jesus, Jesus paid the penalty for us not living righteous, but he also lived righteous, so when he lives in us, we get to experience the full benefit of being righteous people. He lives in me. I get to experience the full benefit as if I've always been righteous like Jesus. That's something that you can have revealed to you and have hope for how you live with the Holy Spirit living in you. Now listen, if you have put your faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have him in you. You're not lost, you're found. You're saved. You're actually going to heaven someday. Your sin's all done, but you're also experiencing righteousness. How are we doing? Okay, another verse. Galatians 5. We who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God promised to us. Paul writing, when I find myself having fallen short and sinned, has anyone ever done that besides me? You know, evangelical Christians are prone to say, yeah, I sin every five minutes. That's a bunch of, what's a, baloney, thank you. I need a, a G word. I, wanted, I was thinking a different word. That's not true. If you're in, in Christ, you've been freed from the power of sin. This thing that says, oh, yeah, I'm going to sin before I like, walk to the door. What a bunch of baloney. You might, but you don't have to. The power of sin has been broken. And I would say, don't live in the flesh anymore. Live in the spirit. Because those... Where to go? Who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised. If I do fall in sin, I go quickly to Jesus, as quick as I can remember, as quick as my little feet will take me to the cross. I run to him, I say, Jesus, thank you that you already forgave me. Forgive me and cleanse me of that sin, and I'm eagerly waiting by your Spirit, the righteousness that's been promised. Could I have it today? I'm going to live by your spirit. I'm not going to live in the strength of my human effort to do good in the old covenant that we read, Deuteronomy. I'm going to live by the strength of your spirit to do good, knowing that I've already passed the test because you passed the test for me. Living in Jesus is like being given a test, and on the top of it is an A plus circled, and then now take the test. You've already got your A plus. Because it's, Jesus took it for you. It's fully cheating. Completely cheating. It's true. Some of you don't believe this. He took the test. He took the test. He passed it 100%. And they said, here, I'm going to cheat, and you get it. All you got to do is trust in me, and that's called grace. Okay, so Paul goes on in Galatians 5. That's where we're reading and says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit 
guide your lives, empower your lives. Then you won't be doing what your flesh or sinful nature craves because you'll be doing what the Spirit craves. Have you, has anyone experienced that? All of a sudden, the Spirit of God is craving in you and you're, you're getting hold of his tastes that you want to really love people extravagantly. That didn't come from your flesh trying to fulfill the law. That came from living in the new age where the powers of the coming age have broken in and changed a people to start looking and acting and living like Jesus. And I, what I'm trying to say is there is resurrection life available to us. Much of the Christian church brings us to the cross and stops. Jesus died on a cross, and we're going to celebrate that soon, but three days later, he rose from the dead and inaugurated the life of resurrection. And then the Bible says that you and I who put our faith in him get to live resurrected lives now. So we live differently. This is one of the important works of the Holy Spirit that you can expect and pray for in your life. So I say live by the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit guard your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature or flesh craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. At that point, Paul in his letter to Galatians starts listing all the gross stuff the sinful nature likes to do, you know, sexual immorality, orgies, disobedience to parents, dissensions, gossip, just a bunch of nasty stuff. You don't, well, you can read it if you want, it's kind of depressing. But then he goes on and says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your lives. This phrase often called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, like Jesus, joy. Jesus was the happiest guy that ever lived. I was at a meeting with, with Dustin last night and there was a ton of laughter going on. Do you know, what do you think the word unspeakable joy means? Remember, unspeak, it gives the joy unspeakable and full of glory. You've read that, heard that song if you're old enough. Unspeakable joy. I think it's laughter because you can't say it. So you, <laughs> you go like, I can't say it. I was trying to laugh for you. Okay. <laughs> Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control. There's not even a law against those things. Torah doesn't even affect those. You don't have to worry about it. If you're living by the Spirit, you can expect the righteousness that you've been eagerly waiting to be fulfilled in your life now. And if it's not fully yet, pray some more and say, let me have some more of that. I want to live the life of the future now. That's called the kingdom of God has come. Part of it. My notes are so messed up. <laughs> Don't know where I am. Okay, so I want to refer... Let's, what time is it? Yeah, I'll just refer to the third work. So if you were with me, this I started last week talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. We described a bit about what it would be like when he, come, when he would come and he'd turn desert places into fertile fields that become like forests and our dry desert lives become flourishing lives by the water of the Holy Spirit as a metaphor. And outpouring sounds like something wet. You pour things out when they're wet liquid. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit transforming our lives from deserts into rich, flourishing lives. 
that's available to us. If we understand that revelation, we'll begin to pray and do it until we get it. We hunger, we fervently seek it. Um, the second I just talked about for a bit, righteous living, righteousness has been paid for by Jesus. It's been taken care of at the cross. It's been guaranteed in the resurrection that we're living in now with the Spirit of God living in our lives. More and more flowing through us. And then the third, the more common one that we talk a lot about in churches like us, is the Spirit empowers us to do kingdom works. The very things that Jesus did, he said, you follow me, you'll do them too. You will go to people and heal them and tell them then the kingdom of God has come near you. You'll lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. You'll cast out demons. The gifts of the Holy Spirit that we started out several weeks ago will be in my life. I'll speak in new tongues. I'll be able to have wisdom words come to me to help situations. I'll be able to discern between spirits because the Holy Spirit gives these gifts. So that's the power. I just want to read this from Acts chapter 1. Jesus is speaking to his followers. He's already been to the cross. He's already raised from the dead. He's going to, re- he's already, he's going to return to the Father, and he tells his disciples this. They're saying, Lord, are you going to do the kingdom thing now? And he says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. Not what you're not supposed to worry about. Time or, oh, well, I thought we were supposed to worry about time or dates. I mean, if you listen to the radio, you might think that. People whole spend all their time trying to figure out the dates. I figured out when Jesus is going to come back. I think it's going to be 1989. I'll give you 89 reasons why Jesus... That was a book, by the way, if you didn't know. Actually, it was 88. 88 reasons why Jesus would come back in 88. When it didn't happen, that guy, after making a lot of money on writing the 88 reasons, wrote 89 reasons why Jesus will come back in 1989 and sold more books. Did you know that? I lived through that time. I was like, no, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. Don't worry about it. But here's what you can worry about. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. So a promise that I have, what's a witness? It's when you tell what you've seen. A promise that I have available to me that I can pray into all the time. Having received the Holy Spirit, I can say, God, would you activate in me? Oh, you might pray this right now. Would you activate in me power to be your witness? Would you activate in me power to be your witness? Would you activate in me the power of the Holy Spirit to do the works of Jesus? You know, when Brian was talking... If you, if you are new to people saying big things about God, and, and he mentions a guy that has raised the dead several times, you, you, you go, that just goes, whoosh, that's impossible, that's not in my worldview, I can't even see that, I can't imagine that. Probably a lie, probably not true, because your worldview won't allow for it. Unless you've been around and I told you when my dad died and he rose from the dead. Okay, so then you, then you know, or, or, or you were here when I was going to die from three strokes simultaneously, and I don't look like I had three strokes anymore. So that, that was living in the presence of the future. That was the work of the Holy Spirit to empower us to be witnesses. That's available to you and to me. 
so that when I'm in my world and I see a hurting person and I'm talking with God about it, I very likely will hear him say, well, now you just cross what's often called the chicken line. Take a step over the chicken line. And say to the person, I noticed you were limping. I wonder if you'd let me pray for you because... God often heals people that have bad legs. In fact, at my church, here comes witnessing. There's a girl who was born with muscular dystrophy, and she just told us that, like, that's changing right now. And she's got things that she could do that she couldn't do before. See? So, so you've crossed the chicken line, and you say, would it be okay if I prayed for your limp? And they might say, no, I'm good because I don't think your prayer would do anything. Then you go, okay, well, thanks, and move on. Or you say, well, thank you. Could I put my hand on you? They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I'm training you right now to do this this week. Could I put my hand on you? That's okay. I'm just going to bless you with my touch, because Jesus said to do that. And then you pray, Lord, would you let your kingdom come right now? Kingdom is the rule and reign of God. Would you let your kingdom come? The rule and reign of God as it is in the future, as it will be when Jesus returns. Will you let your kingdom come right now? If you pray that prayer and wait just a second, you might feel an instant change in presence. I've experienced this where suddenly it's like the atmosphere changed. And you feel like, I think God just walked in the room. Because God just walked in the room. When that happens, you know the presence is there, the manifest presence of God. Wait, stop. Do you know Jesus one time it said, Jesus was teaching somewhere, and the power of God was present to heal. Have you ever read that? I think that's Luke 5, but I'm not sure. I think it's Luke 5. Why would Luke say that? Apparently, the presence of God was not always present to heal. Power of God. But it was at that moment. So guess what happened? Jesus healed a bunch of people, and he was able to say, here's evidence the kingdom of God has come near you. Repent and believe this good news. His kingdom's available to you. You can step in. You can anticipate, since you are living in the now kingdom of God, fulfilled in Jesus but not consummated till his return, living in the tension of the between times, present evil age is still going on, New age has started. Right now, people are entering into God's kingdom. Right now, they're entering into his rule and reign. Right now, they're experiencing peace that shouldn't come till the end. Right now, do you remember when Jesus was cast out a demon and he said, what are you doing here? You're here before, the, you're going to torture us now? Before the time? He was talking about the end time that Jesus came early. The kingdom came before it came. Consummated, and the demons were confused because they had wrong theology too. (laughs) And they said, "Are, are you here to torture us before the time? We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. What on earth are you doing here? It's not the end yet. Our eschatology says you don't come till the end. He said, yeah, I'm here to torture you before the time. Get out. That's the kingdom of God now. 
the inbreaking of his kingdom changes everything. That's why we pray. Our Father, who's right nearby in the heavens, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And out of your kingdom, give us today the bread we need for today. Out of your kingdom, forgive us all our sins as we've been so changed that we forgive everyone that sins against us because we're living in your kingdom now. Because your kingdom's here, don't let us be led into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one and let us experience by your spirit the righteousness that we've been waiting for. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the power. You can do this. Yours is the glory. You get worshipped and praised and glorified whenever your kingdom breaks in. And yours is the kingdom both now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to pray that. It's a good prayer. We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.